Hey there DC fans, this is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien, Everything out there in the world you can you can find. You got books, collectibles, uh, pop-up greeting cards. They have all kinds of amazing items. And right now you can get 35% off site-wide by using the code DCNews35. That's D-C-N-E-W-S-35. DCNews35. Use that code and receive 35% off site-wide at InsightEditions.com. Well, hey there, all you DC Comics fans, fans of comics, lists, podcasts, more, whatever your reason, I've got all the fun in store, and I'm kicking things off here on episode number 102 of the DC Comics new Spinner Rack with a book well known to all who've been reading it so far, and for me, a delight every time I get to add it on to an episode I'm talking about Catwoman. I'm talking about issue number 30. I'm talking about the delicious combination of writer Ram V with artist Fernando Blanco, colors by Jordi Belair, letters by Tom Napolitano, with an original cover by Joelle Jones and Laura Allred, and a variant cover by Jenny Frisson. Um, man, first off, <laughs> the original cover, adorable. Just there's something lovely about it between the question marks and the umbrella and so much more. But then the variant is just so vibrant. Such a, a, a nod, a tilt, a glimpse, a glimmer of what is in store for this story. One in which, well, let's just say the Riddler was pushing the boundaries of reality, to quote Jim Morrison, as portrayed by Val Kilmer in the movie The Doors. Long-winded all the way around, and yet still, what's important is the fact that when you're someone like the Ritter, Riddler, the Ritter, <laughs> when you're someone like the Riddler, well, your mind is always working in a different way, in a different angle, with a different speed than others. For him, it's all about riddles. And then, well, let's just say when you start using drugs to amplify that, things can get out of control very quickly. And yet, for the Riddler, it, it wasn't so much about uh, what it was he was taking, which was amphetamines, but it was what, being what was being used to cut them. And that is something that became part of his hunt when his supplier cut him off, and Riddler decided to do a little digging. And in the process, uncovered a, ooh, a dark, dark secret. One that is painful. One that is a reminder that honor is not always among thieves. That just because there is an idea that, that working together should be 
common sense that not everyone believes a in common sense b in sharing the wealth or c in camaraderie let alone anything that goes with it still it's a mess one that has landed in selena's lap in Alleytown, and there are those who will happily let her know she doesn't need to get involved but she knows she's already involved because she's in Alleytown. this mess is coming to her area and it's something she's going to have to get involved in. Now, on top of that, we have the <laughs> Father Valley, who has been hired to bring down Selena Kyle, and who has crossed not so much swords, but paths with someone who was also hired by the Penguin, much like Reverend Father Valley. And when the Penguin decides he wants to lay down the law and maybe show who's boss, Father Valley has a lovely way of dealing with that. The, uh, the absolutely phenomenal art in this issue is <laughs> wonderfully captured from the look and feel of Alleytown and the characters in it by Fernando Blanco to the colors, the scapes, the, the palette. That, that really brings the seediness, the shadows, the gray, the falling rain, the, the green tinge of Riddler's memories, as well as the red hues and, and lenses of violence when the uh, Father Valley decides to make his case as to whether or not he will be taking orders from Penguin, or if the assignment he's been given has ethical ramifications that go far beyond whatever it is that the penguin was offering, whether it was finances or power or something else completely. And then you've got Catwoman, who knows that she is aware of what is happening to someone that she has a relationship with, that she has a connection to, and someone who she simply cannot leave in the position that she has been found. Now, you have two choices when you're Selena Kyle. There's breaking and entering, like the cat burglar she is. And then there's walking in through the front door and playing a completely different game. Those all become part of this really great story that is kicking off and leads into the next chapter, Felines, Felonies, and Fine Art. It's a lovely addition to a really impressive catalog, one that Ram V has really put his stamp on this Catwoman. I've loved every issue since he's taken over, but I loved the issues prior to that too. This distinctive twist is a really great setting. I love how Selena is establishing herself in Alleytown, how she has taken over the highest point, and in doing so, is laying down the law and carving out her turf. There's some other wonderful moments that longtime fans will enjoy, as well as the nuances that I described from not only the amazing story, the wonderful art, the gorgeous colors, and the very expressive letters. It's a winning combination, and one that I am happy to kick off this episode with. However, the great thing about starting things off with our first choice is that it means it's time to move in to our second, my second at least, one in which we have an opportunity to meet a new villain, one who is, well, 
very to the point and has a reason for receiving the name that he does. And because of that, what we get, what we see, what we enjoy, well, that's a great experience. One that is hinted at at the beginning of this issue with the idea of Dick Grayson working without a safety net, knowing ever since the loss of his parents that in many ways he's on his own, but also recognizing that he doesn't always have to be on his own. And like anyone else, we all need someone to be there to catch us when we fall, when we struggle, when we need help. In the story Leaping into the Light Part 2, Tom Taylor has really done a wonderful take on Nightwing. The uh, beautiful art from Bruno Redondo is a perfect match, one that highlights all of the hope and promise Dick Grayson always brings to a story, and then also the dark shadows that are a part of his reality. Colors by Adriana Lucas are vibrant, beautiful, especially at a place called Marv and George's 24-Hour Pizza. Recognize the names? I knew you would. If you don't, send a message. I'd love to chat about it. Wes Abbott's letters capture wonderfully not only Dick's sort of, well, almost unwitting nature, as well as the sharp edge, that intellect of Barbara Gordon that cuts to the chase, that reminds him that just because he loves to get philosophical about eating pizza and checking out the statue in the center of the city, maybe even oversimplifying it a bit, but there's something about what Dick recognizes when it comes to the gift he's been given by Alfred Pennyworth and how in the spur of the moment he decides that he wants to share what he's been given in a way that very few other people have been lucky enough to enjoy and is hopefully the first step to his attempt to do more than what he felt Bruce Wayne did, despite what he believes Bruce Wayne could have done with the finances and resources he had at his disposal. And then (laughs) there's a moment in which Dick, caught up in all of the exuberance of what he is doing, loses sight of the fact that he's surrounded by those who make a living off of others. And although his initial instinct is to track down a wrongdoer, what he discovers is something that is a problem that can't be defeated just by punching people out. Instead, it's one that's going to push greater and even more significantly the idea he started this issue with and the path that he's even trying to begin, one in which he can be more help than harm. But this is Bloodhaven, and or Bloodhaven, and the fact that there is a new player on the scene who does not have the same heart as Dick Grayson is what sets up our uh, continuing of the story into Heartless, Nightwing number 80. But this was number 79, and a great book, a 5 out of 5 pick for me to include on this week's episode is my second choice, which means it's time for that always important ad break. And then once that's done, I'll be back with my third, fourth, and fifth choices. Hey there, DC fans. This is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from 
all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien, everything out there in the world you can you can find. You got books, collectibles, uh, pop up greeting cards. They have all kinds of amazing items and right now you can get 35% off site-wide by using the code DCNews35 that's D-C-N-E-W-S-3-5 DCNews35 use that code and receive 35% off site-wide at InsightEditions.com Hi everyone I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News Podcast here every week to talk everything DC. Movies, TV, comics, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. (laughs) (laughs) No. Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. First... There was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I Am The Night. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones, I am the Knight. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making Bat Shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Cougar. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat me, nards. I definitely do not fuck bat. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't fuck with Lois Lane. For fuck's sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers.
picture this. Someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV and video games. A complete ultra comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes. Or dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion podcast network. What's up, everybody? I am Kelly Gaines for DC Comics News. I am Tony Hasty for this show. And we are here to introduce our new show, DCN After Dark. This is the late night talk show for all of the wild ideas, fascinating concepts, and scandalous tales straight from the DC universe. We are not going to hold any punches. We are going to give all of our opinions straight off the dome, and sometimes we'll be writing it down. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the sensitive ears. It is not for any children. Viewer discretion is going to be advised because we are going to be swearing a lot. Yes. Yeah. And possibly, maybe by episode five, getting to our hundredth <laughs> joke. <laughs> ears hoping. <laughs> We're going to have guests on this show. We're going to be guests on other shows, but we're not going to finish this sentence. <laughs> off, the t- off the cuff. Let's go. Off the cuff. Off the cuff. Anything off, you want. Anything you want. Scooby-Doo would be a better detective than Jim Gordon. There you go. That's that is what this whole show is about. That's what the show is about. We're going to be talking about we're going to be talking about stuff like that. Should we have seen more of the bad? Go. No, no one had to see more of the bad. No, I didn't want to. God damn it. All right. We're going to Scooby-Doo, DCN After Dark. Check us out. Watch us without your kids. And if you are a kid, you shouldn't have even seen this promo. Drink recipes, content creation, reviews, unsolicited advice, and very inappropriate jokes. Yes. And a Santa, uh, an unseasonable Santa hat. Accepted season, whatever. Check us out. <laughs> Not getting rid of the Santa hat. <laughs> Available exclusively on YouTube. And just like that, the ad break is over and we are back. You have returned to the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, episode number 102. I'm your host, Seth Singleton, bringing you all of the books for April 20th. We already covered my first two choices with. Catwoman number 30, and Nightwing number 79. For my third choice, it's my pleasure to share with you Superman Red and Blue number 2. Again, I've said it before, I'll say it again, much like you'll hear on the weekly podcast, Brad Felicki pointing out that it's a golden age to be a DC Comics fan and a comics fan. I think it is yet another moment when DC's anthologies continue to shine, soar, do so much more. Red and Blue is a series of Superman stories that capture all of the wonder and magic of Superman through two primary colors, blue and red. Much like the black and red, or sorry, the black and white of Batman, the black, white, and red of Harley Quinn, Superman Red and Blue tells wonderful stories and features a gorgeous original cover by Nicola Scott with variant covers by David Cho and Brian Ballon. Now, the stories captured within this issue are wonderful, whether it's the opening story of Own by Stephen T. Siegel, art by Duncan Rouleau, letters by Pat Brousseau, and (laughs) the moment when 
Everyone knows it's never a good idea to push a mother about how much she loves her child or what it is she is willing to do in response to those who might, just might, not be showing the appropriate amount of respect regarding that son, that child. And there's a lovely moment when Clark arrives on the scene and all those who were listening simply have to chuckle away at (laughs) what I'm sure was a remarkable exchange within a diner. Now, you can hear off in the distance the rumbly snores of my French bulldog Bruno, but don't let those dissuade you. Trust me, this is a magical story, and it's followed by a lovely one called Into the Ghost Zone, featuring another Superman who I think is a, a great story that keeps popping up in the best ways, Val Zod, working with Crypto and taking on a classic character, Prometheus, and in doing so, reminding us of all of the ways that, well, Superman, in all of the different forms he takes throughout the multiverse, the omniverse, man, there's what you can do when you think you know what you're doing against him, and then there's what you can do when you realize that going up against him is like going up against nothing else. And there are the most dangerous things to be faced. More stories are included. Great collection here that I highly encourage you to take a peek at. Should you enjoy A, anthologies, B, Superman, C, color themes, D, great collections, or E, all of the above. In every way, shape, and form, these stories are delightful, inspiring, engaging, encouraging, and... ah, so wonderful to experience. I highly encourage you. Get them all. Pick them up individually. Get them in a collected trade. However you can, put them on your shelf. Take them out for others who are visiting. Share with them. Show them. Read them again. Be reminded. Be encouraged. Be inspired. There's a reason why we read these books. There's a reason why they are so powerful to us. And after a Superman Red and Blue, where do we go next? Where where can we possibly take this episode. Well, I've chosen to go with Justice League number 60 as my fourth choice. This one is a great story, one that once again introduces the writing talents of Brian Michael Bendis. And what I love about it is that it continues to bring into the story a character who was created for the well, Wonder Comics line, but who has slowly made an impressive impact on DC Comics and the characters within, and I think is building a wonderful reason for why her place in these stories is not only so important, so powerful, so necessary, but also why it is that for me, Naomi is one of those great gifts who just she just shines. She she makes so much about what is happening. Feel better, feel more complete. And through that, we get the chance to tell this story. It's a Justice League story, one in which the Justice League is dealing with the fact that most people don't really know who Naomi is, let alone where she comes from. She's a new power on the scene, and not everyone is comfortable with what that means and what it can bring about. I mean, 
If you've got powers and you're from another place and you don't know much about them, then there are all sorts of things to be considered. Among them are what it means when enemies from the place where you come from come seeking war, conflict, division, and in the process, the way they interact with not only the heroes of this age, but also their weapons, provides this really neat idea about what it means to try and understand more about Naomi, who she is, and where she comes from. The story Prisms, of which this is part two, again written by Brian Michael Bendis, features art by David Marquez, colors by Tamara Bonvalon, letters by Josh Reed, an original cover by Marquez and Bonvalon, and a variant cover by Cale New. In it, we also get the chance to see what a character who has appeared from the world of Naomi means when it appears and interacts with Naomi, with Black Adam. And when you've got a name like Brutus, I mean, it's hard to think well of you. But the fact that Naomi doesn't recognize Brutus either and that the way that he interacted with Hawkgirl's mace, yet something that doesn't happen when Naomi interacts with it. Well, that leads to even more mystery, wonder, and intrigue. So in the process of all of this is also the appearance of Hippolyta, who has faced off against Brutus and actually gave him a fairly sound smacking around before he eventually leaves while admitting that the place is not only truly fight worth fighting for, but also that Brutus showed up unprepared. He's going to need a little help, and he finds no shame in that. In fact, he plans to return and be successful. Now, another issue at heart here is the fact that, well, Black Adam has an amazing power set, has been on the side of right, has been a key factor in winning significant battles. But does that mean he should be a part of the Justice League? Now, when you keep in mind who's on the team, it's easy to get caught up in what happens when someone like Superman is talking. Something that Green Arrow points out by saying, look, you're making an argument that sounds so nice and good that anybody who tries to counter it looks like a jerk in the process. <laughs> and it's experience that has been described by others. Now, with that is the recognition that Justice League in the past has brought some unsavory characters onto the team. And sometimes it's worked, other times it hasn't. And how much of that is going to play into a decision by the Justice League to rely on Naomi's powers to transport them to this world where Brutus comes from, this universe, one in which so much was destroyed and very few, namely Naomi, were able to escape. But harnessing her powers and understanding how they work is going to take more than what the Justice League is used to. And it's probably going to have a few bumps along the way. Not everyone is going to be thrilled about that, but where it leads to next is going to be a fun part of the story. And in the meantime, there's a backup story featuring Justice League Dark by Ram V, featuring art by Armonico, colors by Romulo Fajardo Jr., with letters by Rob Lay, and a great cast of characters who are familiar 
to fans of Justice League Dark, and also a few who have not been around for a little while, but for me, are great reminders of, well, all the legacy and lore that DC stories have to draw from. I'm looking forward to this character's appearance and potentially taking on a more significant role in Justice League Dark. That's my fourth pick, a great 5 out of 5 pick, which means it's time for my fifth and final choice. And in the sunny afternoon, with the plane soaring off in the distance, but providing that wonderfully soft, buzzing background noise, I give you Flash number 769. This, oh my, this treat of a story by Jeremy Adams, featuring art by David LaFuente, Brandon Peterson, with colors by Mike Atia and Luis Guerrero, and letters by Steve Wands, with an original cover by Brandon Peterson and Mike Atia, and a variant cover by Z Zhu. Man, there's something fun about what they're doing with uh, Flash right now. It's absolutely amazing. It's a joy to behold. I love the jumping around in time. I love the idea about Wally and Barry working together, while Wally has to jump to different places where the speed force has been adversely affected and must be fixed. It started out last issue with a wonderful prehistoric feeling, followed by a jump through time to some other places. And in one of those, and in each of them, Wally ends up in, well, not embodying, but inhabiting the body of speedsters. In this case, he moves from a Neanderthal to the legendary Impulse. But not only does he discover Impulse, but a fun new character who appears to be a combination of two characters from the past. She is very familiar with Impulse, has a bit of a crush on Wally's kids, and is as loud and impulsive as who I think are her predecessors. This wonderful character is a delight. She makes this chapter so much fun, and she's part of the great experience that leads us into the next issue, one in which our journey is not over, and since we've been to the far past and the distant future, well, where else would we go next? You're going to want to read along to find out. I guarantee you this is a joy, a treat, and a wonder to behold. I love everything that Flash is doing right now, and I love the fact that there's an attempt to reconcile so many different events, whether they be Heroes in Crisis, Flash Forward, all of the challenges that have occurred since Rebirth and the return of Wally West to DC Comics and where he fits and how, and the frictions that have been created along the way. And what I absolutely adore is they're not trying to do this in some one shot. It's not some spit-off. It's not some separate. It's folded right into the continuity. It's part of a series of stories, each one about a larger theme, which is Wally and Barry reconnecting, understanding how they and the Speed Force all need to coexist, and how that's going to be difficult, and some aspects of the relationship are going to change. But the strength that makes them the great heroes that they are simply won't. It's not possible. It's not how things work. What we are seeing, though, is a reminder of all of the ways that Wally and Barry have formed a great friendship, a great partnership, and how together they're able to use all the things they've learned 
to work towards not only solving this problem, saving the speed force, and potentially forging a new path for both of them as their future in D.C. continues to veer in so many different ways from what had been known about their past and continues to change, evolve, and grow with each new story. I think this is a wonderful addition to everything that has come before when it comes to The Flash, and I think it carries all of the best aspects of the tradition and the legacy that The Flash and its symbol and those who have carried the torch continue to bear. It makes for a wonderful read, a wonderful delight for the eyes, and pleasure for me to add as my fifth and final choice here on episode number 102 of the DC Comics News, Spinner Rack. I'd like to thank you for joining me for this episode and every single one that you've been on, whether it's from the very first to the most recent. Having you here is a treat for me. I'd love to hear what you're thinking about it. I know I'm not alone. You can send a message to all of us here at DC Comics News. Just use the at symbol and DC Comics News. That's at capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N, E-W-S. When you use the at symbol with the DC Comics News tag, you let us all know what you think and what you like, what you don't, and so much more we can all be a part of in a great conversation when you loop us in and include us with that tag. Also, I know that you know when you like what you like, you're going to make sure you get more. So if you like what you're hearing here, hit subscribe. Get every new episode of upcoming episodes when it comes to the Spinner Rack, DC Comics News Weekly Podcast, episode-by-episode breakdowns of classic shows like Batman the Animated Series with I Am the Night, and so much more in store. You can... Let us know all the ways you're thinking about it with that at DC Comics News tag. Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, YouTube, you name it, we're there. And we want to hear what you have to say, what you're thinking. And most importantly, just to say hi, because sometimes that can be the most fun. That does it for this episode. Join me next time when I've got more books coming your way and my top five picks each and every week right here on the DC Comics News. Spinner Rack.